It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families, like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Welcome again to our weekly Sunrise Project call this morning. I'm so happy that you're all here with us today, and I hope that you find a moment of love and solace and peace as we come together to learn from each other and to share together in a safe space that's filled with love and compassion and a willingness and a desire to heal ourselves and our families. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Before we get started, I want to take a moment to just acknowledge the tragic passing of Ian Alexander Jr., the son of Regina King. As we all know and heard, he took his life at the tender age of 26. Regina King, as we all know, is an incredible and accomplished actor. And she, like all of us, has said that being a mother is her greatest accomplishment. And we all know what that feels like. And our prayers will continue to wrap Regina and her son and Ian Jr.'s father in prayer for the loss of their son. This morning, I am so honored to have a dear friend uh, and colleague, Emil Wilbekin, with us to share his story in this very special Native Son conversation. Emil is a multimedia maverick who contributes to Architectural Digest and Town and Country. He is the co-producer and writer on the documentary, 
the remix Hip Hop Times Fashion, which is on Netflix. And he is a frequent guest discussing pop culture, fashion and style, entertainment and current affairs on the Today Show, E, VH1, MTV, BET, CNN, The Insider, Arise, 360, Revolt, PBS, and I could go on and on. I personally met Emil many, many years ago when he was the editor-in-chief of Vibe magazine, and he has since been editor and or C-suite roles or had roles at Essence, Giant, Vibe Ventures, Complex, Mark Echo Enterprises, and so much more. And most importantly, I believe he is the founder of Native Sun, a unique and awesome platform created to inspire and empower Black gay and queer men. And this morning, we will have a very special Native Son conversation with Emil. We'll hear his personal journey of love and compassion and really um, in the spirit of helping us all as parents learn to love um, unconditionally with respect uh, for all people, despite whatever their journeys might be. So Emil, I'm so happy and honored you are here this morning with us. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you, Kelly. I am really, really grateful to be here. And I'm thank you for holding space for parents who are going through different things with their kids, but who want to support each other and lift each other up. And I thank you for letting this be an intervention for you, but also for the community. I think it's yeah. so powerful. Oh, I so appreciate that. I was telling somebody today, you know, turning pain into purpose mm. um, is so important for all of us and learning, you know, I'm learning every day how I can be better and do better. Um, whether it's with my sons, my two sons or with people, just anybody. And so that's so important. So thank you. I'd love to start this morning with our conversation around you and your personal journey. I would love to just, you know, first ask you, how did you know, like, how did you know that you were queer? And I want to say you have educated me on the fact that queer is more comprehensive and inclusive. And so how did you know you were queer? Um, and if you could also explain that too, after we talk about your journey. So when did it all begin for you? Sure. No, thank you. Such a interesting question as I go through my life. Um, I think that I always knew I was different. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't have the language to do that. And I was young, right? I'm living my life. But I knew that uh, I was very creative, I had a very active imagination. And I was very grateful that my parents never stopped my growth, my creativity, my sensitivity. They did, though, make sure that I was exposed to a lot of different things. So I like to draw and paint. And they allowed me to do those things. I used to love puppets and the Muppets and I had puppet shows, but they also balanced that out with, you know, I was in on the Little League uh, team and my dad would go and was one of the coaches. And then I was in Cub Scouts. And my mother was one of the Den Mothers. So I had a very kind of well-rounded life. And I think they wanted to make sure I was exposed to everything. But as I got older, um, you know, I, I started feeling different 
And I remember my godmother sent me this book when I was 12 that talked about, it was about going through puberty. And so that your body would change, right? That your hormones would change, that you, you know, you would have certain smells that you didn't have before and all these very nitty gritty, really great things that helped me kind of transition through my puberty. But one thing that stuck out in the book was that it talked about, there was like an aside that you may be attracted to other boys, but typically this is a phase in puberty. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe Right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. So I held on to that with everything because growing up Christian, growing up in a very kind of close-knit family, I thought something was wrong with me. And so I held thought on. it was a phase, which is really a trip. They're telling you, this is just a phase. You'll get over it. Right, you'll get over it. But it, was, it made me feel normal. It normalized it for me. It says, oh, this is going to pass. So as I was growing up, <laughs> it wasn't passing. And I was like... Okay, what's going on? And I remember watching Fame um, with Gene Anthony Ray, who played Leroy. And there was something about him, and his character wasn't gay or queer, you know, but there was just something about him. And I was like, I identified with him. And also Greg Luganis, the swimmer. And I would see him, and I was like, huh. And you know, so that's how I and it, was it something that you just felt it was like an energy you just felt you didn't know what it was, but you just felt this connection or connectivity. Is yeah, that right? But it wasn't so much connectivities. I saw myself in them. And I guess now we would call it gaydar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But, but I didn't, again, not having language. Um, and so, you know, I had a very normal teenage life and I dated and they didn't girls and women and, you know, was really excited about my life and going to Hampton. And so I went to Hampton University for grad school. And that's where I kind of was like, hmm, something's different. I definitely fit in with all the guys in my dorm. And there's so many guys that I were like my friends from freshman year and throughout college who I'm still friends with who are straight. And then there were definitely a few who I believe were gay. And I just felt different. And I didn't know kind of, I felt like something was wrong with me. I was also growing up in the middle of the AIDS crisis. So there was this cancer that was killing, you know, young single men throughout the country and particularly gay men. And they didn't know what it was. And that was kind of demonized. So then I was like afraid to even explore the possibilities of having sex with another man because that, to me, that equaled a death sentence. But it wasn't until I graduated from Hampton and I went to a summer program with Boston University in London. And when I was there, I was reading Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. I 
had come from Hampton, you know, HBCU, all black everything, to now living in London and studying British media and advertising with two Jewish roommates and two Asian roommates. And so I just felt like a fish out of water. I was like, there's no black people. I don't know that much about Jewish culture. I did, I learned about it. I didn't know much about Asian culture. I learned about it. But what was interesting was being in a metropolitan city, not in America, and I would be at the park and I would see guys holding hands. And I was like, oh, okay, this is real. And then I remember seeing a movie that played in Piccadilly Circus called Looking for Langston. And it was by the filmmaker Isaac Julian. And it basically told the story of a black gay underground from the Harlem Renaissance mixed with the underground in London of the 90s. And so I go and sneak away from my group and I watch the movie in Piccadilly Circus. And I'm just so moved because it was the first time I saw black gay men portrayed on film in a very positive way, where they weren't the butt of the joke. They weren't the hairdresser or the best friend holding their girlfriend's purse. They weren't kind of persecuted and called crazy names and homophobic. And I just thought, wow. And that was the moment I came out to myself. And that was when you were, it was in during your college years. Um, yes. Okay. That's amazing. Okay. But that's when you first, because you saw images that were positive and that reflected what you, who you were. And you said, oh, I can now really relate. And that was okay. So it gave you freedom to come to invite others in. And to invite others in and representation. And so, you know, we talk about, it's interesting when you say like, like, how did you know? And we talk about mm-hmm. coming out. Mm-hmm. Coming out is, is very interesting. The younger generation now talks about inviting in. Which is new for me as part of the older generation. So I appreciate you. If you could explain that, like what is appropriate? Because I know I've said before, when did you come out? And, you know, how can you articulate that some more for us? So coming out is, um, you know, I think that's kind of the standard language that people use. What I like that the younger generation has adopted is inviting in. And for them, inviting in is taking the power. It's I'm inviting you in and letting you know that I am LGBTQ or queer. And I'm inviting you into my life as this queer person versus I'm coming out because it's a, it's a nuance, but inviting in is almost owning the power of your sexual identity versus having to come out of who you were and be from hiding almost from hiding Correct. And so it's like i'm not hiding i'm really inviting you into my world which is yeah. a space of self-empowerment and self-love self-actualization Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 i love that yeah. um can you also just talk you mentioned again just now gay or queer and you said yeah. it both ways yeah. can you articulate the difference mm-hmm. and you know what is appropriate for people that are in my, you know, and our us elders, what should we be doing and saying now? So it's a generational thing. So my generation, I'm in my early fifties and we say gay. I, when people were calling gay people queer um, back in the day, it took on a negative connotation because it was like something was wrong with you. Uh, then 
you know, there was men who have sex with men was another term. Then we got to gay. I like, I prefer gay because I'm comfortable with that. Like I grew up with that. That's what I know. Now, especially with Native Son, there's all these younger folks who want to be called queer because they feel the queer is more inclusive. It is inclusive of the spectrum of LGBTQ. So you don't have to be a gay man or a lesbian woman. You can be queer. You can also be someone who is cisgender, meaning the gender they were assigned at birth, but they may like men and women. They may be bisexual or they may be effeminate and like feminine things, but still be in their male body. So it's a gender fluidity that queer kind of encompasses. And it's more yeah. to your point, inclusive versus mm -hmm. kind of identifying one thing. And I think a lot of people associate gay as kind of like a hyper-masculine patriarchal type of thing, whereas queer fear feels more in the center, like male and female, gender fluid. I don't have to be one thing. Yes, it acknowledges the gender continuum. And right. so there's this whole continuum and it acknowledges the whole thing versus one small piece. Exactly. So I have learned that alone is priceless <laughs> because... I believe, you know, we talked about, we talk a lot about Black versus African-American. And yeah. so Black is much more inclusive because there's a whole, you know, 9% of, of us Black people in this country don't mm -hmm. identify with African-American. They're right. African descent, um, my business partner being one of them. And so, you know, if you don't, if you say African-American, you're cutting out a whole group of people. Yeah, the diaspora. <laughs> and so the same is true for queer versus gay. And it's such an enlightening concept. So I appreciate that tremendously. Um, so thank you for that. I want to um, ask you about your mom. Yes. And you have talked about your mother and rest her, rest, rest her soul. Yes. Um, but you have talked about how she was one of the most important people in your life. Yes. And how coming, I'd love to understand your story around coming out to her or inviting her in. Yes. What was that like? How did that work? I know. Um, We'd just like to hear you share your experience. So I would be what you would define as a mama's boy. Like I was, my dad and I had a great relationship, but I was always up under my mother and with my mother. And um, you see that in pictures. When I decided to, when I came out to myself and said, I am gay, I first went to that movie, identified myself as being gay. The next phase was that I talked to all of my friends from college and I told them, and most of them were like, oh, thank God you finally got to your center and you are, yes. you know, unapologetic. They were so yes. happy. Because they knew, they knew, they knew. They totally knew. <laughs> so with my parents, you know, I had a lot of guilt and shame and I didn't know, you know, again, Christian family. I didn't know how they were going to accept it. And I knew that my mother had very kind of traditional values of me getting married, having two kids, being in Jack and Jill, you know, the whole thing. So I just was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And so basically what happened was that my mother kept asking me, who's your girlfriend? When are you getting married? All these things. And what made me finally decide to come out to them was that I was tired of lying. 
I was tired of being kind of elusive and deflecting. But the straw that really broke the camel's back, which is really funny, is that my mother was like, what about Tyra Banks? <laughs> I was just like, what about Tyra Banks? Like the biggest supermodel in the world at the time, right? right. She's like, <laughs> well, she's single. Why can't you, why can't she be your girlfriend? And I'm like, is that where the bar is raised? Like Tyra <laughs> Banks, really? <laughs> Ironically, I'm friends with Tyra, but oh. like, that's that just was ridiculous to me. So that's when I realized like I got tired of kind of the lying and not being my authentic self. And so I decided, I told my brother that I was gay first because he was in law school in DC. He had a gay professor that had his class go work with patients who were in an AIDS hospice. And so he was telling me all about it just randomly at a family reunion. And I was like, listen, I got to talk to you. And so I told him, he's like, oh my gosh, are you okay? You're not sick. And I'm like, no, I'm great. I'm not sick. I'm healthy, but I got to tell mom and dad. And he was like, oof. And I was just like, yeah, because my mother was a Capricorn. She was tough. So finally I decided to do it and I do it over the telephone. And in hindsight, I don't know if I would have done it over the telephone as I'm older and have more wisdom. Yeah. What made you decide to do that? Was it just like it was convenient at the time or was it like sort of putting a barrier in between you and her? It was her? totally putting the barrier. And it mm -hmm. was, you know, my parents are were very active in the community and I just was afraid that, that they would maybe try to take me to therapy or mm -hmm. this thing called conversion therapy where people take their kids to psychoanalysts. Sometimes they use electrodes and different um, hypnosis to try to turn people not gay or queer. Which and, sounds horrific. And I want to ask about that in a minute. But uh, but so it, you did it out of, it's almost like when you're a kid and you're like, you know, you're in trouble. You're like, Johnny, come, can you come home with me? Just come right. home with me. Because you know that your parents are not going to act the way they really will act in front, right. of, in front of company. So okay. they still acted the way they were really going to act on the phone. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was one of the darkest days of my life. It was, oh. my father said he kind of had an idea and my mother just is this just painful mother cry that you never want to hear. Oh. <clears throat> she started reading scripture. She was so disappointed and she was screaming and hollering. And like, we were on the phone and they were asking all these really, horrible to me questions that felt very invasive. And the one thing, you know, my parents are both lawyers, right? So they're also like, they are not letting this go. They are mm -hmm. like steady with mm -hmm. the question. And so I'm being steady back and I'm not backing down. And um, it was awful. We were on the phone late until the morning. And I just remember the next morning waking up and just feeling exhausted, mm -hmm. scared, and not feeling heard, seen, or respected. Oh. And it was just tough. It was really, really tough. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed.
I just want to pause on that because number one, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. And number two, what you just said, heard or respected is a universal, what'd you say, heard? And what was it? Seen and respected. Right. And I think about my 19 year old and so many of the parents on this call, we end up in these spaces because of exactly that. And Mm -hmm being heard, seen, or respected. And I also want to just acknowledge what you said that is such a painful truth, Mm -hmm. which is for many of us in some certain organizations and all of that uh, and how we're raised, there's Mm -hmm. a certain way that you think your children are going to uh, live and they're going to graduate from high school and they're going to go to college and they're going to get married and they're going to have 2.5 kids and the dog and And we're going to be grandparents one day and all of that. Mm -hmm. And if they decide, I don't want to graduate from high school or I want to go smoke weed and become a rapper, or Mm -hmm. I think I'm clear or whatever it may be. If it's off that trajectory, then it's a reflection of us. And the right. sooner we realize as parents, it's not a reflection of us. What wonderful opportunity to cherish our children, to listen to them, to see them, to hear them, and to help them with their journey, which the right. painful part is getting past what society thinks it should be. And that's taken right. me personally two years to deal with, right? And in, in a different type of reality. And yet the same, the fundamental truth is what you just said, being heard, seen, or respected. And so I just, I felt everything you just said. And um, did your mom ever, and your dad, did they ever come around? Did they ever really see and hear and listen to you? So my brother, I have to thank my older brother, Eric. He's six years older. He took a leadership position in this moment. It was one of those moments, you know, where, you know, opportunity and preparation came together. Mm-hmm. And so he challenged my parents to open their minds and their hearts and to learn what does it mean to be gay? Mm-hmm. What, is, what, is that, what does that mean about my sexual identity and my orientation? And not to give up on me and to not turn their backs on me. And he challenged mm-hmm. me simultaneously to help educate them to be compassionate and empathetic, but to educate them and not to cut them off and leave. That's wonderful. So you kept trying and he was your champion. Yeah, and he challenged both of us. So Mm -hmm. it's Christmas, you're coming home, right? And I'm like, I guess, because I really just want to stay with my new friends in New York. I don't have to revert back to being the teenage Emil. And it was rough for years. My father came around first, but it took my mother a little longer. I'm not sure if she did therapy, but I definitely did therapy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to help me to accept myself. Mm-hmm. And how do I then be authentically myself to my parents, who I'm now an adult, mm-hmm. and I have to engage with them differently. Right. And I'll never forget my mother came to New York. Um, We were going to an event and I was in New York Magazine. It was like the 100 most powerful out LGBTQ people in New York. And I'm on the list. And I pull out the magazine out of my coat pocket. And I was like, I'm so proud of this. I want to show you this. And she said, 
that's okay. I've already seen it. And I'm so proud of you. That's fantastic. But that took years for us to get to that place. Yeah. The fact that she was so open. And, you know, we got to a place where, you know, I had to push back a lot on yeah. kind of public language or just stereotypes and stuff like that and educate her. But we got to the point where I was on the board of the Stonewall Community Foundation and we were hosting a gala and Bevy Smith and I were hosting mm -hmm. and we were honoring Lee Daniels and Janet Mock, who's a trans activist and writer and producer and a couple of other people. Oh, Jason Collins, the mm -hmm. NBA player who came out. Mm -hmm. and my, so I bring my mother to the event with me. And I turn around, she's dancing with Isaac Mizrahi. She's doing <laughs> selfies with Lee Daniels. Aww. And she couldn't believe Janet was trans. She was like, she's so beautiful. I was like, she's a beautiful trans woman. You're right. She is so beautiful. And what was great was in the middle of the program, she waved me over and I, I went over. I was like, are you okay? And she slid a check in my hand. Aww. And I said, what is this for? She said, I want to make a donation to this organization because I'm so proud of you and the work that you're doing and the work that this organization is doing. Oh, that just gave me chills. That's beautiful. So it took years and it took you um, focusing on continuing to really work on the relationship. And in love. And love. Yes, the unconditional love. And I think it's so powerful what you're saying and what, what you commented on, I just want to double click on, because if we as parents don't provide that safe space, that's just all about love and acceptance, our children, including mine, I speak from experience here, are going to find a new set of friends where they feel welcome and they don't feel pressure and they feel loved. And sometimes those friends are not great friends, you know, and sometimes those are not people that we really want our children with. And so I want to just acknowledge that because, you know, we can't get the time back. If I know if I could, right. I would have listened more. I would have really tried to understand more because having a space where you just say, I just love you no matter who you are. That's, right. that's what our, all of our kids want. And so I love what you're saying. So I just want to ask, um, can you just tell us about Native Son? Yes. Um, what you do with Native Son, how did it start? Why did you start it? Uh, what's it all about? So Native Sun is a community, a movement, and a platform that I created about five years ago. And it really, similar to Sunrise, is an intervention for myself. It was hard for me to find community of Black gay men who were going through the same things I was going through at work who are professionals, who might be the only one in the room, or might be the only Black person and gay person. And then also we're dealing with the same things of like wanting, you know, having a, a high profile, professional, high power job, but then you're single. And so how do I meet other men? And then talking about different health issues, about 50% of the Black, gay, and queer community are living with HIV. So there's very specific things that were, I'm HIV positive. So there's things that I was like, I want to be in community with other like-minded folks so that we can be reflections of each other, that we can be mirrors for each other, that we could celebrate each other because 
I learned a lot of that when I was at Essence, right? I saw how black women were supporting each other and lifting each other up. And I was thought, oh my gosh, I want that for my community. And Absolutely. so a lot of inspiration came from my time at Essence. Mm -hmm. And then what was happening simultaneously, there was a trans movement. So you had more trans women, black women specifically, who were coming out, who were advocating for themselves, creating agency for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I kind of took what I learned from Essence, what I saw was happening in the trans movement, and what I know about being in community, and decided to take, you know, James Baldwin's Notes of a Native Son, his mm -hmm. first book of, of nonfiction and its cultural criticism, and use that as the name of the organization because I thought it just makes sense. Yeah. And our first event was a dinner that we um, hosted with 50 Black, gay, and queer intergenerational men. Wow. So we had people in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. We had a couple there that were in their 70s. Love it. And we honored um, Don Lemon, we honored DeRay McKesson, and we honored George C. Wolfe. Mm -hmm. And at that, that dinner, I came out publicly about my HIV status because I said, if you are going to serve this community and lead them, you need to be honest about that. Yeah. And it was covered in the New York Times. Oh, I love it. And that was has his history. We started it on native on Instagram and really just putting pictures of famous native sons and not famous native sons. I love and it. Now the community there is over 47,000. Yeah. Um, and it's all been organic growth of just creating, yeah. filling a white space, right? Absolutely. Building community, being a reflection of what does black gay love look like? What does um, success look like, you know? Oh, I love that. Okay. I love that because what I know to be true and we're around the same age, um, you know, when you share your truth and when you're vulnerable and when you're open, that's what people want to see. And they see you and they go, Oh my goodness, that's me. That's my life. And I just so applaud you for doing that. How can we, um, our village, our sunrise village, how can we support you and native son? Well, I mean, first of all, having this conversation is really just mm -hmm. one way is, is, you know, amplifying the story, right. And, and educating people on how to treat LGBTQ folks, especially their children, creating that safer space so that they yeah. feel heard, seen, and respected. Um, the other way is on social media. It's at Native Sun Now on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And then you can go to our website, uh, nativesun.us, mm -hmm. and you can read more about Native Sun. We also, you can donate to Native Sun, you can sign up for our newsletter, um, but it's really about us amplifying the voice and visibility of Black gay men so that we are not erased, right? There are so many Black gay men who have shaped American pop culture, have shaped global things. You think about James Baldwin, you think about Alvin Ailey. Right. Mm -hmm. Think about Willie Smith, the fashion designer, Elon mm -hmm. Harris, New York Times bestselling author. And then you look at what's happening right now. The fact that Edward Enifel is the editor of British Vogue and is a black gay man. You mm -hmm. know, last year we had, well, actually in 2020, two 
Black gay men won Pulitzer Prizes. So oh. Michael Jackson for A Strange Loop and Jericho Brown, who's the poet. So we are out here, right? Yes. <laughs> and you think about the success of Little Nas X. I never thought in my lifetime, being editor-in-chief of Vibe, that there would ever be an out queer Black rapper yes. winning Grammys. And here we yeah. are with Little Nas X. Um, any other questions? Yes, a woman had her hand up. Did you still have a question? Um, hi, Kelly. Good morning. Hello. Good morning. And it's so funny as I listen to you, and thank you so much for speaking with us this morning. I have two oh. children, and uh, they both identify as heterosexual. But I was just thinking to myself, don't you think there's some crossover? And some of the issues that we're dealing with with our um, children. Can you speak to that? What are your thoughts about that? I, I, this is such a great question. So I have two sets of godchildren. And one of the things that I do with all of them is I speak to them like they're adults. I don't dumb down my language mm -hmm. with them. So I think part of the things is, is being comfortable. Now, obviously I'm their godfather and I'm the cool godfather. So I can kind of be in that space. I'm not their parent, but I really, I talk to them. Like, I'm like, so how are things going at school? Like what's happening? Like, are you dating? Um, how does it feel? And I, I remember one day I was on my way to work and I ran into my godson and he was on his way to school. And this was a few years ago. And he said, you know, Uncle Emil, I want to talk to you about something that's going on at school. And I said, well, what's happening? And he's like, I'm the only Black student in my class. And I said, well, that's impossible. You're in New York City at a public school. Like, what do you mean you're the only Black person? He said, no, I am the only Black. I said, you're the only Black boy? And he said, I'm the only Black person. I said, but I thought you mentioned there were a, several Black girls in your class and he said no they're mixed and I was like what mm. and I was like so okay let's unpack this and then this is how I'm talking to him I'm like let's unpack this so I was like how do you so first of all let's deal with you how do you feel what does that make you feel like and he said I feel targeted I feel like when anything goes wrong they always look at me and so we had a whole conversation about how he should advocate for himself and how he should have more agency for himself and how he should engage his two dads in the conversation to work with mm -hmm. the school, right? Speak up. And then I said, now regarding these young ladies, they're black. I said, they, mm -hmm. their parents can be programming them that they're mixed and they are mixed race and they are biracial, but they're black women. And so I think you need to treat them like they're black women and not kind of fall into this kind of trap that they're not fully black, like they're black. But it was, I think it's having those kind of conversations and also like doing it in a cool way, right? Like, so it's not like, again, like they feel like they're being punished or they're in trouble, but just like when you're driving or you're out or you're doing something, just kind of have these conversations and they're gonna think it's weird at first, but I think that the younger generation, they wanna be treated like they're, they, in their minds, they're already adults, even though they're not. So that would be my recommendation. Great, yeah, that's really great. I uh, There are some additional questions. I'll read this one. I appreciate and admire the amazing work you are doing. My daughter's great friend is transitioning, taking hormone pills. I want to be respectful of their journey. Can you please share your knowledge of that journey? 
So then I'm um, so, so they're trans, they're trans and they're transitioning. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I think with that, you have to um, really be respectful of their, their journey, right? So I would start by calling, asking them how they want to be referred to, right? He, him, his, or she, her, hers, or they, them. Um, and that I know it sounds, it's challenging, especially they, them, but we have to be respectful of people. And I think the best thing is kind of asking questions and asking them how they're doing. You know, don't make it, I think a lot of times we make these situations be about us and it's not about us. It's about the other person's journey and experience. And I think it's really important to ask them like, how are you doing? Or if, if you need anything, how can we support you? I think a lot of mm-hmm. issues that LGBTQ folks have is that they don't feel safe. So if they don't feel safe, they're gonna go inside and they're gonna turn right. to the wrong folks or the wrong influences to comfort them or make them feel included. But as their parents and as their family, you want them to come to you. So you want them to, even if it's uncomfortable for you, it's better to know than to not know. The other thing is Google is your friend. You can read articles. There's so many great articles about these issues. There's a website called them, which is part of Condé Nast. And it is a, LGBTQ plus um, website and they have really great information. There's Out Magazine, which is very white focused, but it's still, they focus black folks. Um, And then follow Native Sun. We do a lot of great conversations on our social media platforms at Native Sun now about um, identity and sexual orientation and representation. Right, I just wanna comment, I wanna double click on something you said about pronouns and getting the pronouns right. I just want to read this. It says, from the Trevor Project, transgender and non-binary youth who report having their pronouns respected, which is what you just said, by all or most of the people in their lives, attempted suicide at half the rate of those who did not have their pronouns respected. And so you just talked about how important that is. And it really is important to say they or them even though it yes. may not sound grammatically correct in a sentence, it is right. super important. I have a very a dear friend and it's, you know, they will tell you, you know, don't call me him or, you know, just please get it straight. That's important, I think. Yeah, misgendering people, again, goes back to that safety. If you're misgendering someone, they don't feel safe around you. So it's very simple. Yeah. Kelly, what are your preferred pronouns? How do you like to be identified? Absolutely. She, her. Uh-huh. And that's it. And so, and when you make a mistake, so if you mistakenly mm-hmm. refer to someone who is they, them, as she, her, it's, this is the easiest thing in the world is being human and being about love. Mm-hmm. Apologize. <laughs> in real time. And they, them. It's really easy. And I'm we seeing so hard. many, comp- we make it hard. I'm sorry, I cut you off. We make it hard. Companies are now asking, what was the birth? What was your sex at birth? Yes. And I think that's a wonderful, respectful conversation too. 
you know, so it doesn't assume that that's still how you identify. On your passport now, you can have mm -hmm. your gender, you know, how you want to be identified and your pronouns added to your passport because that's when people travel, that's another thing, right? Because if they transition and they have an old passport, this is some of the issues that they deal with. And just so people know the the violence against trans black and brown women specifically is really high um, mm -hmm. in this country. And it's something that people don't really talk about. And a lot of it that people don't also want to talk about is a lot of that violence comes from black straight men. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's about how do we understand the differences? And I, 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 I make the analogy too, as a black man, how I want to be seen, heard and respected in the world, or as black women, how do you respect black women um, in this world? It's the same idea. How are we respecting people as who they are and meeting them where they are? As uncomfortable as all of this is, it takes a minute to figure out the pronouns, but it's super important to ask those questions. Absolutely. And understand what the definitions are. Like you explained earlier, you know, black gay versus black queer, but that's, you know, LGBTQ plus, I, all kinds of things. And, uh, yeah. Taking that time to understand and learn, I think is important. And we can share some of that on our site as well if people would like that information. And gender um, non-conforming and non-binary are really important. So gender non-conforming means I'm not conforming to the gender that I was assigned so that I may have feminine qualities even though I'm a man, but I'm fluid. I can I'm, I'm not gonna conform, I'm not gonna be one thing. And so you see a lot of younger people are now cross-dressing and wearing dresses and purses and makeup, and it's a thing, and it's a big thing. It's not just like, this is a bad, this is a whole generation of people who are expressing themselves that way and very comfortable in that space. Um, Non-binary means that they're not necessarily what they were, what their birth assignment was, they don't necessarily prescribe to that, right? So that's a trans person that's intersex. Um, that's, you know, the other um, part of this LGBTQ spectrum that they're mm -hmm. just, they are not one thing. They are many mm -hmm. things. I love that. So Absolutely. I appreciate you working with us this morning and being here, email, and really appreciate you taking time to be here with us um, before, more than you can imagine. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And again, it's nativesun.us to find out more and to support Native Sun. They do incredible work um, and really, really appreciate you. I'm going to do my best and close us out with a prayer. Dear Lord, thank you so much for bringing Emil Wilbekin here with us this morning to share his experiences, to help us learn to love our children, to accept our children, to show compassion, no matter what, all of our children are God's children. We know that they're your children and all of us deserve to be loved fully and unconditionally. Help us reach out and tell them we love them. We are here for them. We see them. We want the best for them. And help us change our paradigms of what we think or what society may think their life should be, just like Emil's mother did. Help us realize that their journey is their journey. And our work is to allow them to step into their journey and to allow God to work through us 
to love them with radical acceptance, even if that journey may be a little bit unfamiliar to us. Give us your love and your light and help us every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Emil. Again, thank you everybody for being here this week with us. We will be back next week. Really appreciate you more than you can imagine. Have a great day. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe Right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.